0: Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the market names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Are you
1: ready for global cryptocurrency money laundering regulations? Cyphertrace secures the crypto economy with powerful AML tools for exchanges crypto businesses and regulators.
0: My guest today is Gemma Green, co-founder and chairman of Power Ledger. Welcome, Gemma. Hi. I learned about Power Ledger a couple years ago when I met you at the Blockchain Summit on Necker Island. And back then, Power Ledger was just getting started. And a couple months ago, I was pleased to see that Power Ledger had won the Extreme Tech Challenge, which is also held on Necker Island. So it seems like things are going well. Congrats.
1: Thank you, Laura. Yeah, we're really pleased with where we're at right now.
0: So before we dive into the details on what Power Ledger does, why don't we start with what problems you're trying to solve with Power Ledger?
1: Certainly. I returned to Australia six years ago after um, spending about 11 years in London working in banking, and there are no banks in Perth where I'm from and now based. I decided to do a PhD in electricity market disruption and I noticed quite a few problems in the electricity markets. One was around declining use of the grid because people are installing renewables and battery prices are falling, which meant that consumers were more likely to use more of their source more of their electricity from their roof rather than using the grid, which would make it more expensive for everybody else. Uh, and I also noticed another problem, which was that in Australia we have nearly 30% of households with rooftop solar, but no uh, apartments or condos, and they represent one third of the housing stock. Uh, and it's fairly similar in other, you know, other high-income OECD countries as well. Um, and the reason for that is because of what's called the principal-agent problem, where the principal, who's the owner of a condo, isn't really incentivized to put solar on the roof because they're often tenanted and the tenant would receive the benefit. And the other issue is that the roof space is owned by the body corporate and so it's you can't just put solar panels on the roof of an apartment because you, you don't own the roof. Um, but I noticed a couple of things. One was that the the law that governs these buildings in the US is called condominium law in Australia. It's called Strata Law and, in Europe, Freehold, Leasehold. Um, all of these uh, pieces of legislation that govern these buildings mean that you can sell electricity to the residents without a retail electricity licence. And it desi- I was set about designing a solar and battery system for an apartment building here in Perth as it applied part of my doctoral research. Um, but then I couldn't find any software that would create a trading environment. Where people could sell their surplus solar and uh, to their neighbors, and uh, at the start of 2016, I was introduced to a couple of guys in the blockchain space and started looking into its application for the electricity sector and uh, saw that there were some projects um, creating a transactive grid, a trading platform, and I got really excited about that because it was solving this problem in my PhD research project and. I introduced them to Dave Martin, one of our other co-founders, and uh, he said, well, if you can create a trading environment in an apartment building, you could do that across the grid. And uh, I want to set up a company. Do you want to join me? So we really formed the company to start off with, with those two products in mind to solve that problem.
0: Yeah. So how does that work exactly? Well, uh, our
1: um, technology basically for peer-to-peer trading connects to smart meters so it reads the amount of electricity that a house is consuming or generating surplus to requirement. Um, so if you've got solar panels on your roof and you've got more energy than you need, it spills out across the network. And we take a reading off the smart meter and that forms a transaction on the blockchain, um, which also um, is, a, is a payment in the form of a spark, which is um, a stable coin on our platform platform a bit like phone minutes for electricity. So one spark is one cent. And uh, what that means is that um, households can trade their electricity peer-to-peer without the need for an intermediary um, to settle the payments and the, record the transaction between them.
0: Oh, interesting. And just so I understand, why not use something like a stable coin as opposed to your own cryptocurrency?
1: Well, uh, actually how it works because electricity markets are regulated the energy company needs to allow their customers to trade peer-to-peer and so the they're what's called an application host on our platform and they're the ones that sell their customers sparks so they manage their own ecosystem um, in their part of the trading network so electricity obviously isn't uh, you know, you can't trade electricity from, you know, Australia to San Francisco. It is connected via poles and wires, and so the trading occurs within um, a, a one part of the of a distribution network. And uh, Sparks represent uh, a tokenized unit of electricity, and we have actually a twin token system. Sparks represents electricity, and that we have a power token, which is a license for the application hosts to be able to offer peer-to-peer trading to their customers.
0: And that's also a tradable token? Wait, like I don't yeah, understand so, how a license is. So
1: sure. So um, the Power Token is a license to trade peer-to-peer and that is a tradable token um, on multiple exchanges around the world, including Bittrex and Binance and Bitthumb. But the Sparks is not a tradable token. It's, it's just a, a token that, Electricity companies sell their customers so they can trade peer to peer with each other, and then the customer can redeem those sparks back into fiat. So one hundred sparks is one dollar, and uh, they can purchase a hundred sparks with a dollar, and then they can redeem those hundred sparks back to a dollar.
0: So basically, you need the power token first in order to be able to trade sparks. Correct. Yes. It's oh okay.
1: Yeah. So it's basically the power token is a license to allow energy companies to offer their customers peer to peer. And it also acts as a bond backing behind Sparks. So some of the power token is, um, held in a smart contract as a bond to ensure that when the customers redeem Sparks back into fiat, that the, that if they don't do so, there is, uh, some, Uh, bond backing in the form of the power token to fund part of that redemption.
0: And so you've been describing the peer-to-peer aspect, but I know you also work with utility providers. How do you do that?
1: So uh, energy companies are really partners in so far as if they would like to offer their customers peer-to-peer trading, they are able to use our platform to do so. And uh, we so far have a number of peer-to-peer trading trials. One of them is in in Perth right now, which is a smart cities project called Renew Nexus, and that involves uh, a couple of universities, Curtin and Murdoch University here in Perth, and the, the Poles and Wires company and an energy retailer. Uh, and uh, we're also doing peer-to-peer trading in the States and uh, in Thailand, in Bangkok.
0: And so the way that works is that I'm generating, let's say solar, and I have a surplus of it. And then I can obtain power and sparks in order to sell that to my neighbors who don't have solar panels, something like that.
1: So if you have solar panels and you have more electricity than you need, you actually don't need to buy sparks. People will buy your electricity and you will receive sparks And then you can convert those sparks into dollars. Uh, If you don't have solar panels and you would like to purchase renewable electricity from your neighbor or from Laura, then you need to buy sparks from your energy retailer and you can then use those to purchase electricity from Laura or anyone else that's offering solar electricity on our platform.
0: Okay. And, um, And the utility, how does the utility benefit from this? Set up.
1: The thing is that as people install uh, solar, they're basically utilising the grid less and that means that the network um, is having to charge more for um, everyone else and the more peer-to-peer trading that occurs across the grid, the greater the utilisation of the grid um, and that ensures the ongoing relevance of the network. The other thing is that energy retailers have an awful lot of customer churn, which is basically customers leaving one retailer and going to another, and they spend a lot of money on customer acquisition and retention, and they know that their customers would like to trade peer-to-peer, and in offering this to them, it um, has the potential to reduce the amount of churn and endear their customers to their retailer.
0: Great. In a moment, we're going to discuss Power Ledger's plans over the next year and the issue of climate change. But first, a quick word from our fabulous sponsors. Ready or not, the Financial Action Task Force anti-money laundering recommendations soon go into
1: effect globally. If you handle cryptocurrencies, no matter where you do business, these new AML laws will apply to you. CypherTrace helps exchanges, ICOs, funds, brokerages, and regulators understand and manage crypto asset and compliance risks. Learn how to reduce your exposure and prepare now for tough new regulations. CypherTrace is securing the crypto economy. Learn more at
0: cyphertrace.com slash unconfirmed. I'm speaking with Gemma Green of Power Ledger. So how do you think Power Ledger could help address the issue of climate change? I, I feel like I saw in one of your pitches somewhere that, that or, or at least Richard Branson, I think, thought <laughs> Power Ledger could help in that regard. So how, how does that part work?
1: Sure. Well, the International Renewable Energy Agency has said that investment in renewables needs to be scaled up six times faster for the world to be able to meet the, its climate goals and we uh, have pioneered a product to help with that called uh, Asset Germination, which is basically a security token that will be launching in 2019 to allow everyday people to invest in and co-own energy assets. And the asset registry will be ma- managed on the blockchain and power token holders will be able to use their power tokens to purchase uh, a share in Uh, energy assets and we're in the final stages of procuring our first assets for that for the launch of that next year but um, to answer your question about um, Sir Richard Branson he was actually at the Paris Climate Talks and was one of those present at the pledge for carbon neutrality by 2050 and when he awarded uh, Power Ledger the crown for the extreme tech challenge this year he said that he saw Power Ledger as potentially being instrumental in uh, delivering on that pledge, so uh, I, I'm very proud that Power Ledger is, um, you know, such a part of the future as he sees it.
0: And just so I'm clear, so for these assets, give me some examples of what it is that people would be purchasing and how that would influence the issue of climate change.
1: Sure. So it, um, the first two assets that we're purchasing is a, a commercial scale solar system and a, a large grid-connected community battery. And people will be able to purchase um, a token, which will represent a percentage of ownership of one of those assets. And in doing so, they will receive um, a quid pro quo amount of income that that asset generates. So say they purchase an amount of tokens that represents 10% of that asset, they would receive 10% of the income that that asset generates. So that's one part of it. The second is that it's actually quite hard for for everyday people to invest in and co-own these kinds of assets. Uh, And the second is that um, if they do invest in them, they're quite illiquid, meaning it's hard to trade them. But with tokenizing the asset and listing that token on an exchange, it will create liquidity around those particular assets. So I think it's quite exciting to um, bring new sources of capital from the cryptocurrency market, to invest in real assets um, for people that would like to perhaps diversify their portfolio. And in bringing in new sources of capital to fund energy um, projects, it can speed up the transition to a low carbon economy.
0: And so the thinking around why you would do this with a cryptocurrency as opposed, or a security token as opposed to just traditional financing is that it's easier and more liquid that way?
1: So th- that's because one I guess, of the like, reasons. Yes, yeah, sure, yeah,
0: because it seems like you could just do this already with traditional fundraising, right?
1: Well, actually, under previously in Australia, for example, um only people with an annual income of at least a quarter of a million dollars or net assets of two and a half million dollars were able to invest in this asset class, and the asset germination token will be available to investors who do not have these financial means. And um, if an eligible investor can afford the cost of the token, they can invest in renewable energy um, in small increments, for example. So I think that it is making it democratising, you know, uh, the ability for people to invest in these kinds of assets.
0: So in the US, the regulators have pretty much made it clear that if – it's something that would have been a security where you would have needed to be an accredited investor in order to invest that, that will be the same rules for the crypto space. Is that, is Australia approaching this differently?
1: I think that the Australian regulator ASIC is, you know, watching this um, with with a great deal of interest and we're actually engaging with ASIC around the um, launch and release of, of the asset germination token next year. Um, and so we will be doing that with their full blessing. Um, I think that 2019 will be about really unlocking trillions of dollars of private assets with security tokens and the infrastructure to support security tokens such as wallets and exchanges will, I think, be developed faster than we think. And although up until now, you know, the, um, the Securities and Exchange Commission has taken a dim view of um, you know, utility tokens and and has now started to prosecute many people. I think that that they probably will regulate this soon and create a market in the US. I think it's kind of inevitable that that will happen.
0: And just to take it back to the climate change thing, so the thinking there is that it will be easier to fund these types of projects and therefore there will be more renewables than there would have been otherwise? Is that yes. how so this will impact them.
1: Correct. Yeah. The idea is that there'll be new sources of capital and additional sources of capital to fund the uh, transition to a low carbon economy.
0: Okay. Yeah. I <laughs> I went to grad school for um, science journalism and w- wanted to write about climate change. So there was a period of my life where I was really um, knowledgeable about all these kinds of things and followed it all very closely. And now my mind share is typically taken up by really different things. But I do <laughs> remember that <clears throat> this was an issue um, because, you know, there's like an upfront capital cost and yet uh, the benefits take place over time. Um, so you alluded to what Power Ledger will be doing over the next year. Why don't you uh, tell us more about your plans? Sure.
1: So this year was really uh, about uh, us deploying our products in multiple instances and and locations around the world so we could see where was the biggest opportunity for us to scale and commercialise our technology. And uh, we've talked about peer-to-peer trading and asset germination, but we've also launched a carbon um, credit project in California with Silicon Valley Power that went live two weeks ago, and that's really around automating the process by which to get carbon credits issued. But I think there's an enormous opportunity there around in tokenizing carbon credits and, and creating a secondary trading market that is very transparent and liquid because more often than not, carbon credit markets are actually not exchange traded. They're traded by bilateral by contracts or over-the-counter and so the markets tend to be quite opaque and it's quite, quite difficult to find buyers. Um, and uh, so I'd say our technology really does the three things, well, energy trading, peer-to-peer trading, asset financing and then carbon markets. And we've done a lot of different projects in, in those uh, domains this year and obviously be launching the asset financing product next year. But I think 2019 will really be about distilling our um, focus uh, on the products and the markets that have the potential to provide us um, scale and commercialisation and speed to scale. For example, in uh, our peer-to-peer product uh, trading trial in Thailand, we have just under a megawatt of electricity uh, trading in Bangkok across six sites right now. But in quarter one next year, four megawatts will be added to that. And then in the second quarter, a further 12 megawatts. And just more broadly, our focus is on adding installed capacity that is transacted across our platform, adding users who are peer-to-peer trading and adding carbon um, to our platform. And in doing so, starting to move into, instead of doing trials and commercial trials, scaling up some of our products.
0: Yeah, I did want to make clear to people. And so I'm glad that you brought this up that, you know, you you guys are still obviously in an early stage with like these pilots. So uh, can you just give us a sense when you were talking about these numbers, like one megawatt, 12 megawatts, how much energy is that? Like how many houses, or, you know, I don't know how you guys oh,
1: sure. kind of make that. The, you know? Yeah, uh, I can give you a sense of that. So a typical house will probably use 20 to 25. Kilowatt hours of electricity per day. And if a house has five kilowatts of solar on its roof and the sun shines for four hours, that will generate 20 kilowatts of electricity. And so a megawatt is probably enough electricity for, uh, you know, a thousand houses. It's quite a significant amount. Like if you've got a megawatt of solar, it will generate four megawatt hours of electricity per day
0: okay but but just so I'm so I am clear for the Thailand where you said that right now you have one megawatt trading it one thousand houses use up one megawatt per day or per month or over what time frame
1: so if you had one megawatt of solar um, that would generate approximately four um, megawatt hours of electricity uh, per day, and that would be enough to power approximately two hundred houses. Uh, On a daily basis. So, that amount of electricity could power that many houses.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, everything is still in a very early stage. But yeah, so that it makes sense that scaling is your next priority.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I mean, just to give you a bit of context on the scale side of things. So, we've got four apartment buildings in Fremantle, in Thailand, we've got six commercial sites trading peer to peer. Uh, And uh, in the in the US, our carbon project in working with Silicon Valley Power has one parking garage which charges electric vehicles, which is the second largest in California, and that went live two weeks ago. Um, but there are several other assets which will come online in the in the coming months. So most of our projects to date have been around being a proof of concept, and the Thailand one is our first commercial trial. But we do now have contracts for more commercial projects coming online in the, in the next few months.
0: Okay, great. Well, uh, I look forward to learning about more. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. New episodes of Unconfirmed come out every Friday. If you haven't already, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Raylan Gullipoli. For Fraxel Recording, Jenny Josephson, and Daniel West. Thanks for listening.